This is the new LOL podcast, and I am Karen Stewart. My goal is to challenge you, motivate, and encourage you to live your life boldly as a Christian out loud. Do me a favor. If you find anything of value, any motivation, any encouragement, help me spread the word like this. Share it on all your channels. And thanks for listening. Let's get started. Genesis this week about the story of Cain and Abel. Of course, those are the first two children of Adam and Eve, and we know that they are most famous as the participants in the first recorded murder in history. Their story always seemed hard for me to process because it always felt extreme to me. God created these two sons, and they were given two different professions. Abel was a keeper of flocks, and Cain worked the soil. And in chapter 4, it says that in the course of time, or after some time, Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Verse 4, it says, Abel also brought an offering to the Lord of the fat portions from the firstborn of his flocks. This is where it always seemed unfair to me. They both brought God an offering of the fruit of their labor. But the Bible says the Lord accepted or had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain, he had no regard for his gift and did not accept it. The King James says he did not respect Cain or his offering. I mean, really? (laughs) And this was... The catalyst for Cain getting downcast, dejected, and sullen. The Amplified Bible says he became extremely angry and he looked annoyed and hostile. Verses 6 and 7, God sees Cain's response and says, So what are you so upset about? Surely you know that if you do what you're supposed to do or do what is right, you will be accepted. But if you don't, please know that sin is crouching at your door and desires to have you. You know the end of the story, Cain lures Abel out into the field and kills him. But why? Was it not God who rejected his offering? And what was up with that anyway? I mean, they both voluntarily brought God an offering of the fruit of their labor, but it seems God was not content with, satisfied by, or even interested in just any offering. But if you look at the text in verses 3 and 4, you will notice a very subtle distinction. While both of them indeed brought God an offering, Cain did not just bring God any offering. He gave him the best part of the firstborn in his flock. In other words, he gave God the very best of the first of all he had before he kept anything for himself. His first. And his best. And as I read this, I thought about the offerings that we give to God, not just finances, but the offerings of our time, our time, our talent, everything. It seems clear from this story that God is not interested in, nor will he accept just anything that we choose to give him. And yet sometimes it feels like it's all we can do. To just give God 30 minutes to an hour each day if we do that. And when we do, 
I mean, we feel like we're really doing something. And I won't even talk about those who tithe. I mean, I guess we are doing something. But sometimes I wonder if we're not just going through the motions to say that we did do something. I know I've been there. Now, don't get me wrong. Giving, prayer, and Bible reading, which we would call devotions, they're definitely important. But if we are honest, often that's more about us than it is about him. Sometimes it's more about the completion of a required duty or the avoidance of some perceived pain than it is a demonstration of love and allegiance to the one who's given us everything. And I wonder if we were on the receiving end of what we choose to give to God, would we be happy? I don't know. Maybe we would. Now, let me be clear. I am not advocating the abundance of good works and doing stuff just for the sake of doing stuff because that's not really what turns the heart of God. In fact, you could do amazing and marvelous and noteworthy things and never even know Jesus at all, which I think we see a lot of in our culture today. And Jesus said that would happen, right? In Matthew 7, and 23, he said, talking about the end times, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. I mean, these people, and according to Jesus, there are many of them. These people are prophesying, and I know there are people who do not believe in prophecy. But these are people who are casting out demons. And again, I know there are people who do not believe in demons. But they are also performing miracles. And all of this in the name of Jesus. And he will say to them, when he sees them face to face, I never even knew you. And I mean... When is the last time one of us performed a miracle? Let's just be honest. So obviously, it's not about just doing stuff, giving an offering. And it's certainly not about going through some motions that make us feel like we're doing something spiritual. God said to Cain in Genesis, If you do what is right, you will be accepted. Do what is right. I mean, giving offerings, prophesying, casting out demons, performing miracles. Wouldn't you say that all of that could be called doing what's right? I think that's what makes so many Christians weary and feel like giving up hope. So many people feel like they're already doing all they know how to do. They already feel like they're being good people. And for the most part, they're staying out of sin. At least any of the big ones we consider a big deal. And yet for many, it always seems like there's this cloud above us that makes us feel like it's just not enough. But Jesus really makes it simple in Matthew 7, 22. The thing that makes the difference is not just doing stuff, but doing the will of the Father. And that can only be known for each of us through an intimate, familiar, close, personal relationship with him. Because I've said it before, being a Christian is not just about doing good works and staying out of hell. It is not. John 17, 3, Jesus said eternal life was knowing him and knowing God the Father. 
Sure, there are some very basic things that should be a part of all of our lives. But doing the will of God is not simply about following or trying to follow some list of rules from the Bible. The Pharisees did that, and they were condemned. But doing the will of God is driven by a heart-to-heart relationship with Him, where He speaks to you personally, He makes His desires known, and you obey. However He may speak, and again, there are a ton of ways in which He does. But here's the deal. There is no indication whatsoever that God is interested in taking and being happy about whatever it is that we feel like giving and whatever we feel like doing for Him. And I think it's foolish for us to even believe that. But if we put more effort into and priority on developing a deep, close, personal relationship with Him and allow Him to love us, and then to love Him in return, this whole thing becomes much more easy. I have to tell you, there are times when I feel like a broken record. If you have listened to this podcast or read this blog for any period of time, everything I say just seems to come back to one thing. The answer to every question is found in Him. The object of every pursuit is Him. The fulfillment of every core thing that we desire is in Him and through Him. So singular in our hearts, singular in our focus, singular in our actions. All of this while we live in the freedom of everyday life, the one that He has given us. But we do it like Paul said in Colossians. Whatever we do, we are doing it as unto the Lord all for Him, all about Him, and all with Him in mind. In other words, living boldly for Him every day out loud.